census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Episode 315 15 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. And I am here uh, broadcasting live-ish from the Pat Cave of Magenta Manor, brought to you by the Dorkening Podcast Network and Deadly Grounds Coffee. And as usual, I am not here by myself. I'm joined by my co-host on the show, my co-host in, in light. She is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Queen Regent of Rosé, she is the Michael Phelps of wine, she is the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Queen of the Monsters, and an honorary Lizzie, ladies and gentlemen, Ashes One Nightmare. It's episode 316. I knew it was one of the two. This is what happens <laughs> when we record two episodes This is what happens when you miss rehearsal. <laughs> no, we record two episodes in one week back to back. It's weird. We normally don't do that, but... It wouldn't be a Throwdown Thursday episode if I didn't get something in the introduction incorrect. Remember the time it was my name? Yeah. So there's always something that I do that, you know, forces us to, to you know, reconsider our life choices. But uh, we're not doing that today because today we have uh, a slew of guests from uh, the award-winning 2022 film uh dr seville's horror show we were joined by uh kevin phipps craig chenery uh kirk levengar and alan valor gentlemen thank you so much for uh joining us today happy to be here yeah on 316 yes uh throw down thursday 316 it's yeah. um, like the uh the stone cold thing <laughs> so this film came out uh, 2022, uh, according to IMDb. I don't know if that was the official release date, but you guys did win a bunch of awards in 2022, which mm -hmm. uh, we are going to get to because I, I saw at least three awards. Mm -hmm. But uh, we got the chance to watch this, and we're very excited to talk about it with you. We have a lot of questions because uh, this thing takes you on a very interesting ride uh, throughout a series of... Uh, of very fun and well-constructed uh, anthology pieces, which I enjoyed. But because it's your first time on the show, we have to do our our, our uh, I almost called it a ritual, but I don't I don't think ritual is quite the word I want to do. But uh, the thing that we like <laughs> to do whenever we have first-time guests, and that is our getting into character question. So because there are four of you. Um, we're only going to do three questions because we don't want this to go forever. I know you guys, are, you're, you're filmmakers with very busy lives and we appreciate the time that you're taking, uh, with your very professional setups, which I like, I like all the star Wars stuff with Craig. I really appreciate that. Um, so the opening question that we have for you mm -hmm. is 
with the glut of prequels, sequels, reboots, spinoffs, requels, all, all these things, for you, is there one specific property? It doesn't have to necessarily be a single film. It could be a franchise. It could be you know, a, a, an old TV show because that seems to be uh, like there's been a renaissance of that coming around. Is there something that is so sacred that it would absolutely devastate you to be remade? And I'll start with uh, Craig because he's by himself up in the top corner of my screen here. I think it would have to be a new hope if they went back and touched the original Star Wars trilogy. That would. I know they've done it to Star Trek, and I'm just hoping that they never circle around and redo Star Wars. <laughs> I think I think we're fairly safe with that one, if mm. only because they're so busy adding to the mythology yeah. and yeah. expanding the story so much. Um, I did like the uh, the prequel Rogue One. I, mm. I enjoyed that one quite a bit. Yeah, it might be my my favorite. All right, that was a safe answer. Let me go with Shaun of the Dead. Oh, Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. It's perfect. It's yes. perfect. Yes, absolutely. I'll go with the non-safe answer. How's that? Yeah, Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead is is excellent. I love all the you know we're big horror people. I love the fact that there's so many mm. different uh, horror references or zombie references specifically. Mm. Um, I think Simon Pegg, Edgar Wright, and Nick Frost can do no wrong. Um, as we saw again with Hot Fuzz, so mm. I think that's a that's a hell of a good answer. Um, so now, looks like you guys, uh, your microphone is not connected. Looks like uh, yeah, because you're you're showing muted. It's okay. Yeah, I just that's why I'm uh, I'm letting you know. Sometimes with this, what you might have to do. There you go. That? That's good. That worked. Perfect. All right, so. We're going to go left to right on the screen. Uh, so, Alan, same question to you. Oh, man, that's a toughie. Uh, a movie that I would not want to see a remake of. <clears throat> Horror film. Hellraiser. Okay. Took mine. <laughs> took mine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, mean, I get it. Uh, For obvious so, reasons. <laughs> yeah, and I would... I would uh, I would say the arguably one of, if at least top two practical effects uh, films of all time, uh, Frank's regeneration scene is one of the best things I've mm -hmm. ever seen. Yep. Uh, the only thing that can touch it is the thing, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Kevin, now it's your turn. Mine was supposed to be Hellraiser. Sorry. Uh, no. <laughs> so now I only have my fantasy in my head. I have fantasy and action in my head. Because um, I, I just don't want to see Big Trouble in Little China remade. But, oh, okay. Mm. I get um, it. It's like, with certain guys, it's really hard. Like, how do you how do you get that same performance from, like, James Hong and, 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 and uh, Kurt Russell? How do you get that again, like, with somebody? Today? It's, it's too difficult. Mm -hmm. And James is such a nice guy. He's such a cool guy. So I met him at Comic Con a while ago at San Diego Comic Con. He was so nice. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm 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 a bit jealous there. Uh, he's in the new uh, Muppets uh, project. If you haven't seen that, he's, he has a cameo in that. That's awesome. <laughs> and so, 
Okay, well, you stole mine because I was going to say The Thing because that's my all-time favorite movie. So I'm going to go a different direction since you mentioned that already. Uh, I'm going to say uh, James Cameron's Aliens. Okay. Uh, just because I saw that movie in the theater multiple times when I was younger. And it added a level of suspense uh, that I don't think you can uh, redo it. I don't think you can redo it. Uh, they would probably kill it with too much CGI, to be honest. Um, you know, and who doesn't love the story of a group of hardened combat veterans getting overrun by primitive, uh, you know, bugs. So it's in my top three sequels of all time. Yeah, easy, mm. easy. Mm. Now I'm rethinking. I'm like seven. Don't ever remake seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. yeah oh, that's a good too. one. Yeah, that is a good one. It's yeah. really good. Seven changed my life. <laughs> that and uh, Silence of Lambs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That would be, I don't know, that'd be a big no-no for me. Yeah. Bring somebody in who could have that, like, menace and that just air of, like, danger that uh, Anthony Hopkins brought to that role. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's so tough. (laughs) Ashes? So oftentimes filmmakers will cite a specific film that inspired them to go into filmmaking. My question to you is, do you have a film like that? And what is the film and why? Let's start uh, opposite way. Let's start with Kirk this time. All right. Uh, You know, it's going to feel like I'm cheating, but I I have to say the thing, uh, because I saw that movie probably 60 times before my twenties. Um, and it, it created such an air of, um, of paranoia. Like even the audience didn't know who was the thing, you know, remember the first time I saw it, I was completely blown away. I mean, that's fair. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. Going back to it, I would say for me, it was definitely silence of lambs. I mean, I was way too young to be in a theater to be watching it, but I was, I was there. And I remember the next day I was going to school trying to act like uh, Hannibal Lecter, which probably not was a good idea in junior high, but um, you know, it was awesome. I needed a face mask, but yeah, uh, it changed. I mean, you know, the direction of it. And then of course uh, the screenwriter won the Oscar for it. Just the, the writing I'd never seen like what I call an intellectual horror an intellectual machine horror type film before. So watching it change my life. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. Like that's one of those ones. I remember reading the books and my dad hadn't seen the movies, but he was giving me a hard time because I kept referring to him as Hannibal. He goes, why are you calling him Hannibal? Like he's your buddy. I'm like, all right, I'll refer to him like he is like he, like they do in the books. I'll call him Dr. Lecter. Does that sound better to you? <laughs> I'm like, it's just, that's just the name of the character. Like I, what else should I call him? I don't understand. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. I'm trying to think back like now when I refer to characters, how I approach that. Would I be like, oh, Luke Skywalker? I don't know. Huh, that's yeah. interesting, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I'd say as far as an actor, a uh, movie that really stood out for me was uh, Luke Besson's The Professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Specifically, Gary Oldman's character in that really stuck with me when I was a kid watching him. And as far as uh, as far as actual like filmmaking, I would say 
probably a handful of Tarantino and Martin Scorsese films that really inspired me as far as the structure of film and, and being excited to shoot a scene. So Makes sense. Hmm. Craig, how about you? Apparently all my answers are going to be Star Wars tonight. Um, <laughs> Empire Strikes Back. It's my earliest memory as a kid uh, going to the theaters. I grew up in a small town in the middle of England. Uh, in the middle of nowhere and i remember we had a single screen theater and i clearly remember seeing empire strikes back and we walked out into the lobby and they had a deal with our local toy store and we walked out into the lobby and everything that had been released at that point was suddenly on display and it's one of my most vivid memories and uh you hear what the kids go oh my god and you hear the parents go oh my god and <laughs> i just remember just this wall of star wars stuff and that played with being able to role play with the action figures and it just helped with my storytelling. And I knew from when I was six years old that I wanted to be a storyteller. It never changed every time they get reissued in the theaters. I was there a month ago, last month, watching Return of the Jedi for the 40th anniversary. I mean, it's been Star Wars my entire life. I mean, pretty much anybody, my generation has the same story. I mean, Kevin, exactly the same. And he grew up in the 70s and 80s and it was George Lucas. I mean, just one of them, him and pretty much anything Spielberg touched around that time, just, just a portal into, into storytelling. And yeah, I mean, it's cliche, but it's absolutely true. And I mean, I'm approaching 50 now and Star Wars is still a huge part of my life and it helps my storytelling and yeah, just kind of shaped who I was. Well, and that's the thing, like it doesn't, you know, it, it might sound cliche, but when you think about, you know, like oh you know I, I'm gonna say Star Wars again. It's like, but that's okay. Yeah. Like there's there's nothing wrong with that. Like you know if Star Wars is what, you know, kind of led you to this path, then great. I mean like, how many other people has it inspired? I mean like oh, think oh, about. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say how many things do we have now because Star Wars happened? Oh right. absolutely. I mean no. it's and everybody has their own Star Wars journey. Everybody's introduction is unique you got the prequel era kids who grew up on the prequels you got clone wars sequel trilogy every new generation is getting their own entrance into it and this is like i hope everybody who gets introduced to it sees it as i did as a kid so i mean i, I can say i see through i didn't see any of the flaws in return of the jedi because i was nine years old when it came out so i got to watch it as a kid and i just think that was mm -hmm. the best way to experience it not as a a jaded grumpy adult <laughs> so prequels ruined my life no i just it was just fun watching it through innocent eyes and i've been able to kind of keep that same way of seeing star wars as an adult it's been kind of unique so i like it yeah i mean and, and it makes sense i mean that's again it's so pervasive in society now because there's so much content for it you know, you can't help but see its influence everywhere, Absolutely. you know, from, I mean, the lightsaber sound effect is one of, you know, my favorite sound effects of all time. It's right up there with Godzilla's roar, as far as I'm concerned. Oh. So, I mean, like, you know, there's nothing wrong with that being an influence. Yeah. So the last question I have, and we're going to go, uh, we're going to go alphabetical by first name for this one. So, Alan, you're going to be up first. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you could speak with any type of animal, you can only pick one. 
If you could speak to any type of animal, what would it be? Oh, man. Uh, um, I would say, you know, I've been doing a lot of research on the capybara, which is the largest rodent in the world. They happen to be the most gentle animal in the world as well. And so, uh, yeah, that would probably be the animal I'd want to talk to thinking about it right now, just to see okay. what, they're, what they're thinking about. Because they, they, they seem to be this animal that gets along with every animal. Yeah, like Happy Barra's brain. <laughs> yeah, like every time you see a picture of them, they're like hanging out with like turtles and crocodiles or like other small mammals. Like, like, they just always look so happy. Yeah, yeah, and, no, and no, nothing harms them. It's so bizarre. They just, yeah, they just mm. drift through life. With these. Yeah, they're just, they're just like wow. the most chill animals. So it's autobiographical for you. No. <laughs> Greg, how about you? I'm trying to think what Kevin's answers could be so I could steal Kevin's for him. Yeah, uh, uh, might be an octopus. I think okay. crazy okay. intelligent. Let's go, Mark. Yeah, you're welcome. No, I just think they're crazy intelligent creatures, and it would just be really interesting to kind of get in their head and see how dangerously intelligent they really are. I mean. Anything in the ocean kind of creeps me out. Anyway, I, there are, there's a lot of stuff down there, and I just think mm -hmm. getting inside an octopus's head would be really, really interesting or quite terrifying. So <laughs> that could go either way. Yeah. If you haven't seen the uh, the documentary, My Octopus Teacher, I highly recommend it. That's a great one. Okay. It's oh, yeah. very, very good. I seen it. Yeah, it's very, very fun. Good. It's on Netflix, right? Uh, I believe so, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kevin, so it's up to you now. Yeah, uh, you know, I was thinking about this one. The animal that's always spoke to me because I was a huge avid person for dinosaurs and things like that when I was a kid, and Godzilla came out and blew my mind. Um, so I think it sounds funny, but it's like a, I think an alligator um, really speaks to me. Um, I don't know, they have so much power behind them. And not to get too metaphorical or anything like that, but it's just like, they're so quiet. But then when they attack, it's like just crazy nuclear bomb just went off. And it's so mm -hmm. fast, swirly. I just, I like that. I, I think it reminds me of my father. No, no, it's just. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I've always loved lizards in general, any kind of lizards, any kind of amphibians, anything, you know, like that. And so, yeah. And now if you were to speak to me today, though, as the kid, I would say red pandas for some reason too. I don't know why, but okay. that's a total flip of everything. But yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much the opposite of an alligator. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like fuzzy and cute. And then it's like, Bleh. so yeah. Well, I mean, I think the alligator thing might be really interesting, especially if you could somehow tap into like that genetic memory of like how old these creatures actually are. Yeah, yeah. I like just have such a fascination with them. I don't know why. So, yeah. That's pretty interesting. You like sharks, right, Kirk? Sharks. Oh, sharks. sharks. No, no, I hate sharks. Okay, so he stole my octopus idea. So I'm going to go a different direction. Here, Craig, I know where you live. Um, so I'm going to go for elephant uh, okay. because they have a really interesting social, uh, like societal structure amongst themselves. It, 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 they're really fascinating. I mean, you got to look, the youth misbehave and until adult shows up and smacks them around and then puts them in line. They all line up. And then they behave after that. 
And as soon as dad steps out or mom steps out, then they misbehave again. And they have an incredible biographical too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they have an incredible memory. Like they, they can go 20, 30 years without seeing somebody, a human too, or another elephant, and they'll recognize them based on their sound or appearance. And they'll greet them. Also, look how they treat their dead. I mean, they'll drag skeletal remains for 40 miles, you know, and deposit an elephant graveyard. Um, and they've they've moved humans to uh, human remains as well. So, I mean, there's a lot going on there that we don't quite understand. I mean, you got painting elephants, elephants that paint. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah, they, they've always been interesting creatures. And they're the only animal with four knees. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that out there it's a weird it's a weird fact but it's something that i remember from like it was probably on like an oatmeal package or something when i was a kid <laughs> i was like the popsicle sticks that had little facts or jokes on yeah them. yeah and like the, the like the quaker oatmeal like the with the flavors yeah. open and like because that was our entertainment as kids we'd read the cereal box or the you know the oatmeal box sitting at breakfast <laughs> you know that's what we had yeah, yeah, that's true. But anything to avoid our parents. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> that was our Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> well, you guys have uh, successfully navigated through the getting into character questions. You guys have provided some very interesting uh, replies to uh, our questions, which uh, I'm going to tell you, like, a, you know, kind of a peek behind the curtain. We don't, this is one of those things that we don't. Uh, we don't script beforehand. We just kind of like would be a good question. And we just kind of go with it, like whatever pops into our head, which is kind of how we get the answers that we get, mm. uh, which we like. We like our guests to just not have to think about it. And just the first thing that comes to your mind. Yeah. I like so, the answer. <laughs> I think you guys, uh, you, you provided us with some very interesting insight. And so we're going to take a quick break, uh, only about a 30 second break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to dive into this movie because I have a lot of questions about it. And uh, I really need to know the answers. And thankfully, we have plenty of folks who can give them to us. So <laughs> we'll take our quick break and uh, we'll be right back. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. All right, so that was our uh, Deadly Grounds ad with our zombie and whatnot. So the first thing that I want to know about this film is um actually no i can wait i can wait because uh I, <laughs> this, this question might get answered as we go through this but this be the last uh, thing you want to know then. No, yeah <laughs> well it's something that like i wrote it down and i want to see if i'm right mm. uh, we did this uh we we for our most recent episode we we talked about the muppets and we had a friend of ours on and i was trying to guess what he would say so i asked him a couple of muppet questions and i had them written down and i got exactly both of his answers correct so i'm mm. hoping that i can do it for this too we're on a so, second uh, 
I saw that this won uh, three different awards. Uh, the October Award, Best Horror Film for the Sweden Film Awards. The Best Arizona Horror Film uh, at Tucson uh, Terror Fest. And the Best Horror Film from uh, the Worldwide Women's Film Festival. Okay. So congratulations on that, first of all. Thank you. We got a few more. It's always nice. Yeah, we got about eight more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just going by what was on uh, IMDb, so you guys need yeah. to update that. Craig, <laughs> fix yeah, well, there's only limited festivals of let's add. If the festival doesn't report to IMDb, we can't add it. Unfortunately, uh, you should be able to edit your own uh, your own page if you do yeah. uh, IMDb Pro. Yeah, hmm. we don't. We don't think we're on Pro yet. But yeah, we yeah, just got into uh, the Cal Calgary Horrorcon just last week. Oh, very cool. So that's coming up uh, mid June. One of the official selections. Oh, yeah, so you guys are just all over the place now. Yeah. Did you film in Arizona, or was that? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I was waiting for everybody to answer. <laughs> yeah, we filmed in and around Phoenix, uh, Tempe, uh, Mesa, Mesa, Chandler, Chandler, yeah, Gilbert, Gilbert. Yeah. Uh, Avondale, East, uh, West Avondale. Valley, yeah. West Valley. We covered pretty much all of Arizona, almost. So, yeah. pretty, pretty much the Phoenix, the whole Phoenix metropolitan area. Yeah. Okay, I'm not. I'm not overly familiar. I mean, I'm. I can say that I'm not familiar at all because I've never been to the Arizona. So, yeah. uh, but it did look like a warmer weather uh, climate, and <laughs> I think that you guys definitely uh, have an advantage filmmaking out there as opposed to out here, where you don't get as much of the crazy weather patterns. At least I don't think so. That that we get. Uh, yeah. We yeah, it's a, it's a, and it, what's nice is there's so much different architecture out here. Mm. Like if you notice in the film, there's the scene with the the couple, right? The it's complicated in the middle, and the whole scene where he's asking her to marry him is it looks almost like a weird Roman architecture uh, mixed with tiles and stuff out in the middle of nowhere. We found this park with this whole situation. We're like, well, this architecturally will look cool. Let's just film it here. So. I think that also worked well for the vibe that you're going for with that particular part <laughs> yeah. of that segment where, you know, it's almost like this, this uh, striking difference in the type of architecture. It almost seems like weird and out of place. And then the situation that occurs <laughs> is like very jarring and striking. So like visually, like the, the aesthetic of the location matches the tension of the scene almost hmm. okay well cool. that's all craig's fault no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so where did the idea for this anthology come from and was it your original intention to have the stories connect in a, a specific way <laughs> Well, I'll answer the first part if uh, Craig or one of you guys want to answer the second part. But um, yeah, I'll answer the second part. The, the first part was literally we have like three films we want to make soon. And uh, we wanted to see what it was like to work together because we've all been friends. And, and uh, so we met up at a cantina. <laughs> and like I guess a lot of people do, we got a little toasty. And uh, we were like, okay, so what can we do that? I mean, we only have so much money. So we're going to have to beg, borrow, and steal. How can we do something that doesn't require us to shoot like 30 days in a straight or something like that. So, um, and also what can we do that's fun and, and will give us at least an idea of what it's like to film together. 
So that's when we decided, hey, a trilogy, because we all love Creepshow and, and different things like that. For me, it's Trilogy of Terror. I love that, I guess, movie. It was a TV show at first. And I love that show so much. I think it's, it's a little more of an indie vibe. Um, and no, poor Karen Black. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that idea. And originally, we did have that idea, which is one person playing all the roles in every single one. But then we decided, hey, let's just do a, a fun trilogy of terror type situation where we have three stories and then a wraparound. We need a crypt keeper type person. And uh, that's when we, we thought about Dr. Seville. So, yeah. Yeah. And the second part, Craig? Yeah. So we filmed. Um... Which ones we did first? We did we filmed this complicated first. We did break second, and then uh, consume third, and then we did the wraparounds after. So as I'm, we film each one as its own film, uh, so we kind of get in the uh, get in the heads of the characters for each one. So I did write them each one of them separately, but I was pulling threads from each one where they could start wrapping around. So the intention was to get everything looped together, and the biggest. I need to talk about this without any spoilers. The biggest stumbling block for me was the ending of Break, and I couldn't figure out how to tie that in to the rest of the series. And then when we tied it into its complicated ending, I must have rewritten that ending a dozen times, and I couldn't get it right, and it was wrong and wrong. And then it came to me, and I called the guys into a meeting. I said, "I've got. I know exactly how we can loop this entire thing together." And it's a few of them fell into place intentionally some were accidental i can't take credit for, for all of it being an, an intentional uh threading some of it just worked out as it worked out it was as, as we got into the idea of some of the characters and then we were able to be able to thread it all together with the dr seville vignettes and the wraparound with that so yeah, um, yeah i said it, it was definitely an, an intentional yeah. And what was interesting too, is we were having to do stuff towards the end as well because of COVID and things like that. And mm -hmm. one of our actors that was supposed to be in some Seville segments uh, couldn't, couldn't be on set and we had to get it all done right before because COVID was happening and it was right in March. And so we had to rewrite a little bit, Craig rewrote, and it actually made a lot more sense. Yeah, I mean, it We had the other actor show up and actually be in there. And it was like, wait a minute, why didn't we think of this in the first place? So it was, yeah. Yeah, and that was that was a quick edit too because we only found out what four days before we were shooting. This actor, this actor can't make it. It's like, oh hell! Yeah. All yeah. right, give me. Let me lock myself in my office for an evening. Let me figure this out, and then I came back to the guys <laughs> and said, "I think I've got it, and I think this is actually better." And it uh, was, um, yeah, it actually worked out. It was the it was the vignette that happened after it's it's complicated when. Yeah. Um, that character shows up in the Doctor Seville scene. Um, yeah. It actually ended up working out even even better than what we planned. So sometimes happy accidents, right? Yeah. Right. yeah. Now, when you say you 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 filmed it like uh, three different films, like did you like okay, we're gonna do this segment, film it, edit it, get it all ready to go, and then this next segment, film it, edit it, get it ready all, and like do it that way, or were you just like? Let's film this one. Let's film this one. Let's film this one, and we'll edit it later. Alan, well, it was it was kind of an on and off thing, like with the yeah. editing part of it, yeah. right? But to 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 answer your question, uh, yes, we had to because you know obviously we didn't have much money. <laughs> we had to say okay, we need a break, and uh, so to speak, but a bump. Um, <laughs> and um, so we would 
film one for four days. So it would take about four days to shoot each one. And then we would take like a month or two off and then shoot another four days. And that gave us enough time to regroup. It gave Craig enough time to deal with any kind of rewrites we had to do real quickly for another short. Um, yeah. Yeah. A lot of fun. We started, what was it? April of 2019. Yes. And then yeah. we finished March of 2020. No, it was July. It was July 2020. We did. We shot in, it was April, May for It's Complicated. Then we did July for break, November for consume we were supposed to shoot march 20th in 2020 and then we went into a lockdown <laughs> four days before we were supposed to shoot so everything got shut down our set this was the doctor said all stuff so the set was built everything was ready to go and then the mandatory lockdown and so we the studio that we had the set built and we were losing it was it beginning of august kevin in 2020 so yeah. we were either going to lose everything that we because the bulk of our money went into the doctor's adult layer and we were either going to shoot or lose it so yeah so it was it was a journey it was, yeah. it was exciting stressful terrifying <laughs> yeah that's filmmaking that sounds yeah. about right. yeah lots of sleepless <laughs> nights and that sounds like yeah. my life no, yeah. <laughs> so was there Every every film, and I'm not talking about day one because day one everything goes wrong. Everybody's still trying to like work into their rhythm, and like you know, people are late. People, you know, there's always an issue on the first day of shooting. Was there a day, like a specific day, that you all remember? Like, man, that was a particular. Like, it doesn't ha it doesn't mean something bad happened. Like, I worked on a film last year where it was the second day of shooting, and we were shooting on the Cape Cod National Seashore and it's protected land so we weren't able to bring anything motorized or anything with wheels so we had to carry all of our equipment <laughs> we started by and this was a big this is a a, a, a feature-length film so it was we we started by going about a quarter of a mile in on this marsh when you walk in it's nice there's little tide pools oh it's great about a quarter of a mile in, then you just keep moving further and further in till you get to the, the the beach. And I was at the trailhead at the at the opening. I was waiting for our background folks, and by the time the background folks had come, so had the tide. So these little tide pools are now waist to chest deep water, and you're going about two miles to where oh, set. No. You know, and I'm trying to make sure my phone, my walkie, and you know, nothing else gets wet, and I'm carrying a case of water, not realizing how far back we're actually going. <laughs> Physically, that was the most demanding day we have, you know, I've ever had on a set. So did mm. you have a day like that that was just like, man, it is way too hot today? Like we just, you know, everything is really rough. Like, did you guys have a day like that? Mm. That's a question. That is a good question. You know, I I think I I think from from my perspective it went pretty smoothly there was uh the most challenging aspect was when we had to drop to a skeleton crew for the seville sequence yeah because literally we were doing seven eight rolls a piece mm -hmm. um in support so like you know your producer you're also uh manning the 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 crafty table you're also fanning you're also <laughs> setting up special effects you're also trying to get this this prop projector to work and it just died you can't figure it out mm -hmm. uh, why it died and so you're 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 wearing seven eight hats 
mm -hmm. um, because you're down to a five man crew. Uh, so I think that was challenging. Um, yeah. Um, I think that was probably the most challenging aspect. I think the funniest aspect for me was the first day of shooting. Yeah. Which was ironic. Was yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we did the setup as our first shot and my poor DP, which is my wife, uh, I, uh, we get back to the second location. So we shot half the location at that restaurant and then we came to the second location and I'm reviewing the footage cause it's our first day. We want to make sure, you know, uh, Shannon and, and Tracy did such a great job. It was their first film being DPs. Mm -hmm. And, um, we're looking at the footage and I'm like, what is that in the background? And <laughs> you look, so this is for all you guys really <laughs> Easter egg. Uh, you look in the background, you'll see a little blur kind of moving a little bit. That's actually, uh, an extra a background actor who was taking pictures of us while we were shooting. And, <laughs> and so <laughs> I've been an assistant director for 15 years. So my uh, AD brain came on and I was like, why aren't we looking for these things? Why do you need to be looking for these things? And I was like, you know, I was, I was losing my shit a little bit, but um, yeah, that was pretty funny. I don't know if we had, yeah, the boring actor answer kind of went okay. What did you yeah. think, Craig? I know he was I, 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 I think from, am I allowed to curse on this show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Um, yeah. So for me, it was it was going back to that scene in the park for um, uh, it's complicated. It's the scene where Mary shouts, "Is she fuckable now?" And <laughs> I don't know if this was necessarily something going wrong, but Kevin was like, "Again," and she's like, "Is she fuckable now?" Again, louder. And there was a woman walking by with her kid because we were in a we were kind of doing this kind of gorilla style. And Kevin's like, again, and we're like, oh my God. And this woman's like, do you see her phone coming out? It's like, she's calling the cops. <laughs> and then she's like, Chris, Christina, the, the actress who played Mary is just screaming, is she fuckable now? And we're like, oh my God, we're about to get, we're going to have police down here. And between that and some guy insisting on blowing his yard with a leaf blower, Every time we would start oh, yeah, shooting, yeah. Alan had to go over there. He's like, Alan's asking him to, to turn his leaf blower off, and he wouldn't. And that all was that was oh. that was quite interesting. That no, was, that Alan, was very entertaining. Yeah, Alan has to tell you about the day that the police officer showed up. Oh, yeah. oh and um, John, oh, right. I totally uh, yeah, yeah, Johnny's house. Uh, yeah, when we were shooting the segment Consume, uh, there was a nosy neighbor that saw one of our actors prepping on the balcony, um, and she was crying, so he suspected that she was in danger or something, and so they called the police, police came in. Yeah. I, was, I was very upset, uh, thinking back, maybe I shouldn't have been so angry with the cop, but... <laughs> We were we were in the middle of filming, and I and I just knew like the, the main thing was do not let Kevin know that this police officer is here. Just keep him <laughs> in this room, keep him directing. I'll get rid of him. And so uh, he, the officer, insisted on seeing the actress, make sure she was okay. So I warned the actress at first, but uh, if I remember correctly, she said it actually helped with her prep. So yeah. again, another... she'd been screaming as well, so that didn't yeah, help. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so the neighbors heard the screaming and then the crying and. Yeah, and and the, and the great thing is, is none of us knew. Alan knew. I didn't know. Kirk didn't know. Kevin didn't know. And I was like, oh yeah, the cops were here. Wait, what? Oh, yeah. I found <laughs> out. He could compromise that fantastically. Yeah. It was really well yeah. done. Now that's that's the thing. A testament about our team was very tight knit. We were we were always communicating, and and Alan knew to protect me from you know, uh, and the production from being bothered by that. So, yeah.
That's good. That's awesome. Like, I love that, like, you guys all have, like, different stories and, like, different perspectives of, like, what was the most challenging. I mean, I, I, that one. <laughs> I can I can totally understand because I've been on sets where it's, like, we just, like, we'll put this sandwich board out that's, like, hey, we're filming. Mm-hmm. You know, by going past this line, you consent to using your likeness and your voice. Right. Some people are like, oh, I don't want to do that. Other people are like, all right, this is my chance for fame. And like, we'll yeah. run on and do something stupid. <laughs> That's always fun. We yeah. had a night where it was 20 degrees in Boston in January. And we we're trying to film this scene on a on a on a street that has like five bars on it. So there's just tons of drunken Bostonians. Oh yeah. And the only issue was like this movie set in the seventies. So like we couldn't just let them through and like have them like be a part of it. Mm. Most of the people were cool. There was one young lady who was just like, well, I'm cold. And she's wearing like this low cut, like uh t-shirt. I'm like, it's 20 degrees. It's January in Boston. That's your own fault. I'm like, can you just like wait two seconds? She's like, no. And she would just like she just barreled through. Yeah. It's like, yeah, what do I do? I'm like, I'm not gonna tackle her. I'm just going <laughs> to right there. It's like whatever. Yeah. Just <laughs> I did a commercial in LA uh, on Venice Beach. And what I'd realized is if you get up early enough, you can go and pay some of the homeless people to keep people out of the view. Uh, so they have this system in place where, you know, if you pay one of them, they will tell the other ones, you can no longer bother that production because we've been paid. So it's like, it's, it's very interesting. It is the same, same thing when I was working downtown LA or not downtown LA, but on Rancho Cucamongo, uh, but on the side roads, there used to be these cars that would come back and forth and just honk the horn constantly. And they would interrupt your production and the producer was like, okay, well, I got to go pay them. So I guess they would give them like 500 bucks. And then they would call the other people that would run around and do this and say, hey, okay, we've already been paid for this location. You can no longer bother them. So mm-hmm. That's a hell of a racket. Yeah. Yeah. So they would look in the trades in the morning and see where everybody's shooting. And then they would go bother it until they got paid off. So that was interesting. That's my backup plan if my writing fails. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the use of practical and special effects in your film. Uh, One scene in particular stood out to me, um, and that was the scene in It's Complicated when Mary turns into her uh, aqua pet form, so to speak. (laughs) I want to know where did that design concept come from? Oh yeah, I I guess I'll have to answer that. Um, <laughs> um, I drew that up. Uh, I, I liked because I used to be an animator. Um, I used to work in animation for a while. Worked on different things, and uh, so I, I like to be kind of in control of what monsters look like and what things look like, and then of course keeping in mind our budget. And um, and uh, so I drew that up. I there's a French artist. I think she passed away because she was like ninety something. Her name is Louise Bijouin, Bourgeois, something like that. And she would do these cocoons mixed with spiders uh, type of sculptures. And it, it had to deal with sexuality and a lot of different things. And so I really liked, since the 
it's complicated itself was dealing with, you know, some of that stuff. I, I really liked it a lot. And I was like, well, how can I use that? And also keeping in mind, of course, Aqua Pet and, and kind of merging the two. Um, and so I, I drawn that up and then Tracy, um, who was the other cinematographer, she was also one of the, the main special effects person. She was like, okay, we're going to do this. And I was like, we can really do this. I've always wanted to do this, uh, you know? And so she stuck newspaper all over Mary's face and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, belt a sculpt. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. I've always wanted to do practical effects like this. So, um, yeah, that's yeah. kind of where that came from. Yeah. So as you, as you have probably gathered from, you know, some of the discussions that we've had already, uh, we are huge fans of practical effects and, mm -hmm we figured that this was a low budget. Like we had no idea it was as low as you had mentioned off air. And you know, we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was maybe 10 times what you actually used. Oh, because you. I was, uh, and I know ashes, you were as well. Like we were really impressed with the practical effects, all the different wounds, the gore, uh, especially, uh, in consume the uh <laughs> the shoulder mm -hmm. like yeah. that yeah. was really well done and again uh the the the, the aqua pet scene like that just the way that looked that was so cool looking um yeah we were very lucky with the our, the shoulder because that was craig's friend josh swenton who did that he was like sending me videos of him practicing in his own hands and things like that at home and making worms come out of the wounds and I was like, I got a great story about him. He cracks me up. He like, what's that, Craig? No, I was gonna say the the, the wound started off being tiny. Kevin and yeah. I expected like this, maybe just a bit bigger than a quarter. And then when we we actually see the 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 actor and the wound on her back is like is huge, and it worked out so much better than what we were yeah. expecting. But we were expecting this tiny little wound with the worm to come out of it <laughs> he's got this gigantic well on the back of his shoulder and yeah. uh, it actually i mean you saw the, the final effect it works so much better than what mm -hmm. we were expecting so we he was kind yeah. of working off on his own for an hour and we go back in there it's like oh this is big <laughs> yeah 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 definitely and he was our our blood person let me tell you excuse me his his whole thing was like blood and i remember he was covering one of the actors it was Honda who plays and consume and he's spraying her with blood and she's looking at me like, okay, I think this is enough, you know? And I'm like, okay, I think we're good. And he's like, okay. So he turns, he starts to turn and he starts to walk away and then he comes back real quick and sprays her three more times and then leaves with all his blood. <laughs> you got to make sure that everything's covered. You know? Yeah. 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 yeah he's an avid horror fan and uh, he's yeah. like even more. So, like more cowboy, more blood. You know, so, so I mean, like looking at this, you could definitely see the 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 Tarantino esque, um, you know, the influence where it's that disjointed storytelling where you're kind of uh, I'm not, and I'm not saying disjointed in a bad way. Where it's like it, non-linear is probably a better better word for it because disjointed sounds bad. Uh, non-linear storytelling with the uh, with the uh, the anthologies and i like the fact that you know you have these little easter eggs that are sprinkled out throughout and if you're paying attention you're kind of understanding what's going on with this whole thing uh but there's still enough of a uh you know the show don't tell storytelling um uh, uh technique 
that allows this to be a, a cohesive and coherent because a lot of people have tried that and it doesn't always work the nonlinear storytelling because sometimes it's just like wait a minute like that doesn't make sense you just like oh i'm gonna throw a twist in at the end and oh yeah that makes sense <laughs> the way this story is told everything makes sense and everything fits together the way it should which i think is a testament and especially where you know, you guys, uh, like Kirk was saying, you're wearing so many different hats and you're doing so many different jobs. I mean, when you're, you know, the first thing I ever worked on, it's like, like okay, you know, I went from sweeping out a, a like a horse stall to <laughs> doing lighting effects to having our actor on like a little, uh, like little, uh, the, the roller boards that like guys will, lay under cars when they're working on cars a little board that you lay on and like pulling backwards and forwards like six or seven times to get like this one specific shot and it's like you're doing so much and it's like this may not be your area of expertise but you guys were able to kind of you know with this huge crew that you had and this huge cast that you have because there's a lot of people in this cast you know yeah. which is why i thought your budget was you know north of a hundred thousand dollars oh yeah no. uh, like there's so much to it and everybody like i'm i was you know doing my research on you know what you guys did and it's like you see the same names it's like art department cinematography writing producing like and it's just the same names repeated over and over again it's it's wild and like that's one of the things i appreciate so much about independent films so speak a little bit about like the budget you had and how you were able to obtain your uh locations oh. I made out with a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, that works. All that lip service. Yes. <laughs> I was like, can we get your location? They're like, I don't know. I'm like, would you like to make out? And they were like, sure. And then afterwards, I got the location. So it was pretty great. No, um, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, our budget was very low. What's that? Yeah, it, it really just varies depending on where we were shooting. Uh, some people we knew, some people we just, you know, asked if we could use their place um yeah. like for instance consume the house that we shot in was a friend of ours who was actually um in the process it was under construction and while we were filming in there they were actually putting in tiles so we had to like stop yeah. we had to stop construction between takes yeah and so mm -hmm. uh and and so we had the luxury of using that place because it was under construction we were able to really just destroy the shit out of it so that was uh, kind of a bonus of having yeah, that. Yeah, so that's yeah. one example. Um, and then what was a, like another? Uh, oh, so uh, Jake, uh, his house is Kevin's house. Yeah. 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 yeah my house. <laughs> and then uh, the restaurant we got, we were asking around. I, I, you know, yeah, that was um, a bistro. Yeah, it was a bistro, and they got. They end up closing later. Yeah. Not because of our that film. Was through, no, I'm just kidding. That was uh, through Lin Lynette. Uh, Lynette. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I think it really just came down to having a lot just of good friends. Knowing people. Yeah. yeah. Just asking. Yeah. yeah. Asking, making connections. Like yeah. we, we filmed at the, the, uh, the, what was it? Coffee, tea, Jared's coffee. Jared's coffee. Yeah. Jared's yeah. coffee. Yeah. And we just established a relationship with them and they were happy to have us. And yeah. uh, that was a great scene. We filmed, filmed <laughs> yeah. there. They were so nice. We were like, they I was were... like, I'm going to be in your bathroom and we're going to throw blood everywhere. Is that okay? And they're like, yeah, yeah, go for it. You want a coffee with that? And I'm like, sure. I found <laughs> another place in another film <laughs> that we worked on. Yeah, what's that? Uh, there was a previous film that I worked on with, uh, with oh, college right. students. That's right. 
And uh, so this woman that I knew, she knew the owner of Jared's Cafe. So I asked yeah. him. So we just been, we were very blessed with just knowing a lot of great people, allowing, we had a great friend that let us do all the zombie film break in their, her house. Oh, right. Like, it had so much mm-hmm. texture to it. I love the old fireplace in the background. Yeah. Um, yeah, was, Shannon had done a documentary and stuff, so it was that was the connection. So yeah, I mean, we made the movie for about nine thousand, about nine thousand. That's 9, it. Yeah. By nine thousand dollars, so you know, a lot of guerrilla shooting too. A lot of yeah, yeah. yeah. A few parks we just went there and shot the. Yeah, scenes. There was a couple of parks where we just kind of went on. We did the wolf gang, and yeah. just walked right on and shot. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and a lot of networking. Again, that's like a a testament to the the you know, the, the way everybody worked together. Yeah. Uh, because I, I was looking at this and I'm thinking, you know, this is probably a hundred thousand dollar budget. Oh, thank uh, you. And it's, it's clearly not, it's, it's, you know, as you're saying, um, although you did, you did just uh, pop my balloon there because I, I was thinking that all the scenes in the house, that it was just like all one house. Like anytime you were in a house, like it was just one house. That's what I was kind of oh, three, three different houses. Um, yeah. yeah, each each uh, each one had its own house. Yeah. And I think with the thing with all the different hats is a lot of the filmmakers and cast on this film were first time filmmakers, mm-hmm. um, uh, myself included. And a lot of us just wanted to learn. So there was a lot of interest in trying different things. I was helping with the lighting. I was helping with set direction and makeup. And so many of us were just eager to learn. And it was it was a really uh, a growth atmosphere that we had going. And everyone was just for the, the, the veterans that we had on set. And Kevin's been in the industry longer than I have. And he's teaching, teaching stuff. And it was all just everybody was learning and growing with each other. And it was a really really good attitude throughout the entire shoot so and i think we were all willing to try different things and it's like kirk was doing art direction and then <laughs> during break when he is he's in character and prepping like craig you're art director now it's like like what oh okay <laughs> so, <laughs> surprise and like i said we're all trying to find where our niche is as well obviously mine is writing but we got to try just doing so many other things and like i said josh who did the effects and consume that was his first movie yeah yeah and so. one of the things that you know i've found with smaller sets because you know i've i've done these types of projects where it's like i'm going to help out some of my friends and stuff like that you know there's your paying gigs gigs and then there's the stuff that you're doing and i found that on these smaller shoots like you're able to you know i've worked with a, a friend of mine who's like all right you know what do you what's your ultimate goal? Like, where do you want to be in five years? Like, I want to give you those responsibilities, you know, on this set so you can kind of get a little bit of an idea. You know, do you want to do the camera? Do you want to do lighting? Do you want to do this? Um, I was lucky enough to work with somebody that I've worked with a few times uh, who's a producer who had enough faith in me to be like, you know, I have pneumonia and I need to go home early. You've got the set. Like, it's your, you know, you're in charge. You've got the set. And... I'm used to being just a production assistant or a driver or health and safety. And like, all of a sudden they're like, yep, you're second, second and production manager go. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's, what's so awesome is to go back to one of your earlier questions, which is when we all four got together and started making up the stories and, and then uh, eventually Shannon and Tracy came aboard, but we start off with that too. We were like, well, what does everybody want to do? Because Kirk and Alan are originally actors. 
that's their, their their number one. And then Craig is a writer. That's his number one. And then I used to be an assistant director, and I, I, I transferred into directing. And so it was all like, let's do what we want to do. And then we'll, we'll obviously have some secondary jobs, but, uh, you know, let's do our first. So I, I love what you're saying. That's exactly what we were thinking, too. So. So I want to talk about the creation of the Dr. Seville character. Um, you mentioned, you know, wanting to have like a, a crypt keeper type of, of person to introduce these, these, yeah. you know, different stories in the anthology. Um, where did Dr. Seville come from? And were there any inspirations, you know, behind this character? Because I was getting a little bit of hostile. I was getting a little bit of saw. I was getting yeah. a little bit of Hellraiser. Um, yeah. And it was just all really fantastic. Definitely like an omniscient. Yeah. All yeah. Night. yeah. So I was just kind of curious as to, you know, where that character came from. Thank you. I'm glad you saw that, Craig. Uh, I mean, I know how Alan and I developed, but Craig, you want to start? Yeah. I mean, it was it was really collaborative. I mean, I've, as I'm writing, I'm very visual while I'm writing, and um, I didn't really have an appearance for him. That definitely came from from Alan and Kevin's collaboration. Um, dialogue is my strength. So I was seeing the characters through his dialogue. And I mean, the, the dialogue that Alan went to was pretty much verbatim from the script. So, and it just worked. The, the character, there wasn't, Alan didn't drift from the script very much because everything just kind of gelled perfectly. Um, he, I mean, he took it, he made, obviously made it made Seville his own. Um, but from, from the visual, that was Kevin and, and Alan. And then the, the voice was and the, the mannerisms were all, he was reciting my dialogue, but with, with a completely different character. It was, it was a really, really fun process. Cause I actually hadn't seen him until the day I was on set. And that was the first time I actually met Dr. Seville too. So it was, it was kind of a cool experience as well. Cause I really wasn't familiar with the, with the visual aspect of him, but I mean, I think Alan, Alan killed it. It was really fun to watch the dialogue coming out of the, the, that character. It was really, really, really cool experience. With all of the characters, it was a really cool experience. Yeah, I think, I think uh, going into our collaboration eventually, which is originally because we were all talking about the backstories, like what is Dr. Seville's backstory? Who is he? Like, how did he become this entity? And we had a lot of different ideas and, and we finally solidified a few. and. And we're not going to give too much away because if we do get to do a chance of part two, we might explore that. But um, <clears throat> from that, we know that he, if you look carefully at like his stuff around him, like his props and or the knives and stuff he's using are, are from an, a yesteryear, you know, back in a certain era. And so we, I took that idea and started developing props and, and all that stuff. And then that's when Alan would call me and we'd, we'd work intimately and you would start to talk about like how you want, how you see him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I would watch a lot of videos, uh, videos from like the 1920s and thirties. There were a lot of, uh, medical documentation tapes. Uh, so I would really study how, how people from the twenties carried themselves. And then I sort of played around with the accent a little bit. Um, it's something that's definitely growing every every day when we do a sequel. I, there's, I'll probably take it a, a slightly different direction, but um, I, I went with sort of a mid-Atlantic accent, you know, in that time period. 
if you ever watch uh, uh, the show Boardwalk Empire, you notice mm-hmm. that people are coming in from all over the place and there's just these very unique, you can't really tell if it's British, you can't really tell if it's English. And so I wanted to kind of throw that essence into it as well to make yeah. it a little more authentic. And then uh, Shannon helped with the costumes on this. So our DP, mm-hmm. she helped with the costumes. So in collaborating with Alan and I and Craig, we came up with that that kind of 1920s, 30s look. And then I think lastly, if you're really paying attention, that mask on his face is actually a burn victim mask. So if you if, if anybody cares to research that, you'll start to figure out a little bit about him, really. is, is He's got a full burn mask on, which is supposed to heal your face while you're dealing with these severe burns. And so um, that is kind of a, a little bit of a tip into the future uh, not only that because i love silence of lambs i had to do something uh, it's fun <laughs> that's fair and i've actually written a three-part comic book which dives we didn't it didn't go anywhere other than script form but uh the complete backstory of how he came to be as well so how the scarring and everything happened so there there is a written backstory for him that the comic book may not see the light of day um but the the backstory probably start coming out and if we do get to do a sequel so the the history is there yeah see i i had a, a a slightly different when i was looking at the mask the 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 uh, impression i got was like the old uh like ceramic pieces that people would put on their face from, from like uh ah like the the uh, the, the yeah. various like, poisonings and and whatnot like uh, yeah in the, the in wonder woman the 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 doctor yeah. poison character had that like fake Mm-hmm. That's what I would. That's the impression I got from it. And you are you are actually uh, partially spot on because I was researching those masks as well. Going back to the lady and the doctor that helped people back in the day by creating those masks that made them at least feel more whole as a human being, even though if you took it off, you would see all the things that were going on. So yeah, that's funny that you say that because I did research that as well. So, yeah. yeah, I mean it. It makes sense. So my to kind of piggyback off what ashes was asking uh alan did you do uh without spoiling any all of the dialogue for yeah. dr seville yes i did i did both my normal voice and then the uh evil Jen character i did that as well in post yeah he was like kevin you fucking asshole you better put me in the audio room and make <laughs> me do the angry side too i'm like okay yes sir no, i was gonna no. say that definitely did uh I was like, oh, yeah, that definitely sounds like ADR. But, like, I think that works for that mm, specific yeah. uh, scene because yeah. it's almost like this – because he has this air of this, you know uh, – Almost makes him seem supernatural. Yes. The, yeah. the, yes. Like not, not like a god, but like some sort of minor deity that has all this knowledge and D- – Demonic almost. Has been yes. around for a long time as evidenced from all the different implements and adornments and accoutrement that you find <laughs> this character, uh, which I, I appreciate. I mean, when I'm first looking at this and I'm seeing all these different implements that he's got before we really get into the story, like you were saying, Kevin, about the uh, – you know, like all the different tools he was using, I'm yeah. thinking – Okay, these are there because they're old, and older tools look more frightening because of like type of surgeries that were done often without anesthetic. Yes. <laughs> so they kind of serve a dual purpose, and it's like, oh yeah, this guy, 
he's he's fucked. Like he's he's in a world of hurt right now. So. Yeah, yeah. And I wish we could have used, I wish we could have explored that a lot more, but we we just got you know, like I said, a little bit of budgetary constraints, but also COVID hit and we were like, okay, well we have to shoot this and we can't you know, you know what? Here's the thing with some of these with some of these villain backstories, you know, not to necessarily say he's a villain, because who's right. to say he's right. a bad guy? You know, yeah. uh, with some of these backstories, do you really need them? Like Hannibal right. Rising, was that necessary? No, right. I don't think so. Yeah, you got little hints of who he was throughout the three novels. You really didn't need anything more. You didn't need another movie. You didn't need like, oh wow, you mean this guy was a creepy teenager? What? No, right, right. Yeah. that's surprising. No. And that's kind of where we're at. I mean, I'm already starting working on the sequel, and the backstory was just more for continuity purposes for for me while I'm writing it, as opposed to yeah. hitting people over head with an unneeded backstory. I mean. I don't know how much of a will and will not come out, but it, and, and all of my writing, I do backstories from pretty much my novel writing. I'll do backstories for my characters just so I know where they've been because that helps knowing where they're going. And so the backstory, the full backstory may never even need to come out if it no. doesn't serve a narrative purpose. So yeah. as we start figuring the character out more in the sequel, some no. of the threads will, will, will materialize, but it's not going to be a hit you over the head. This is how Dr. Seville came to be. <laughs> yeah, like it doesn't, you know, like for all I know, his do his doctorate is in art history. Like, you know, who knows? Like, but it's not it's not necessary. Like, I don't need to know who the crypt keeper was back when you know he was, you know, still a normal person. Like, we get a little bit of that in the Hellraiser sequels when we see you know Elliot Spencer. Oh, yeah. yeah, but that I think that was more just to give Doug Bradley a chance to actually show his face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but again, you didn't get you. You just got to see a little bit of yeah. This guy was a weird, creepy guy. He was in World War One. Like that's how long he's been around. Yeah, that was about it. Like I don't need to know his motivations. Like it's like oh well, you know, a bully kicked his dog, and like now he's <laughs> people for fun. Like you know, like I don't, I don't need to know that. Yeah, and I think that's what makes those scarier, right? Is that yeah, mm -hmm. it's the unknown, that the mystery. Yeah. Yeah. We, we could we could tie it into health insurance like was it saw five or saw six whichever doctors feel yeah. just not have insurance and that would just <laughs> yeah it's like yeah, yeah i get it insurance mm -hmm. is the health care in this country is wild i understand it's just a metaphor the entire thing yeah yeah but i mean like <laughs> i understand and i've i've always said that once you reveal the monster you know in this case the backstory for him once you reveal the monster it's not as scary anymore. Like, oh, and then it turned into a big spider. It's like, I'm not scared of spiders, so that's not going to bother me. Somebody who's scared of spiders, yeah. It's like, oh, gross. I hate bugs. You know, like, that's fine. But, like, if that's not something that scares you, once they show the monster, you know, it's the, uh, the, the deleted scene from Bird Box where Sandra Bullock was supposed to see, like, her version of the demon. It was supposed to be like this test baby and it's like ah, that's stupid that would have taken me right out of the movie yeah. <laughs> you don't need that all the time sometimes the unknown is what's scarier you know like uh craig you were talking about you know the the unknown of like all the different life that's in the ocean like there's a specific name for that it's like thalassophobia um uh, the unknown is what's scarier yeah 
Yeah, like yeah. I said, if, if it serves if it serves the story, threads will all start coming out. I mean, like I said we yeah. we know we know where he's been and we'll kind of know where he where he's going. And I said if it if it serves the story, then then it will come out. If it's just beating the audience over their head to something that's not necessary, then yeah. Yeah, we've got an idea where the sequel of exposition going. is one of the worst storytelling. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, like, and if you if you pay attention really close, there's only one moment that might give you a tiny bit of Doctor Sill's backstory, and it's the only time I do a severe close up on him from a different angle, um, and it's the brighter side of his face, and he's a little bit more somber, and um, and he, he talks for just a split second about he. He had that once too, and then that was it. We we after that we were like, okay, get back to his real self now. Yeah, and I like that type of storytelling where it's like, it's like, oh well, what is it? It's like, but you don't need to know it because it's not important for this story. It's right. not Doctor Seville's story. I know his name is in the title, but it's not Doctor Seville's story. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Do you have another question? Well, not a question, but I do have a comment. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity to commend you on your storytelling and writing uh, abilities because these stories and the way that they are interwoven, it's just brilliant, especially Break. Break, I mean, I love myself a good zombie movie. I love a zombie story, but and I'm not going to say anything because I want it. I want people to watch this and I want them to have the same reaction that I did. That twist, oh my goodness, I uh, let out an auditory what? You know, when you actually figure out what's going on. And I mean, my mind was just blown. It was so unbelievably brilliant so thank you for giving us that story because it was just so uh well done i was thoroughly entertained by it yeah and then you get the uh and, and, usual and, suspect-esque uh kind of flashback and and re-piecing of yeah like that's mm. patsy you can go on our uh promotional tour thank you <laughs> yeah that's very kind thank you and that was actually that was the last one that we added we because kirk had the idea for the consume the overall premise of consume kevin had the overall premise of uh, it's complicated and break had been one i've been sitting on for about a decade and i've been trying to write it as a feature length and the twist that you're referring either needs to happen at the beginning or at the end it's not something i can drop halfway through and i couldn't get it to work as a feature length so when we were brainstorming ideas for um for what we wanted to do for the third short, I mean, I've got I got my start writing in the in the zombie genre. I did a bunch of stuff for The Walking Dead and special effects and all that. And um, I'm like, ah, I think I know. And then the ending sucked. I didn't like how the ending was. And then this huge aha moment, and it all just fell into place. And um, yeah, I'm immensely proud of how that one turned out. Very very much of a downer ending, but yeah, I thought it was. I wanted to do something different. So. And that one speaks to the way that I like to direct drama. I'm, and so it was like, oh, awesome! You know, I get to deal with people's inner demons from PTSD and, and all these different things, which I won't go too much for uh, farther. I probably went too far already, but uh, um, 
but working with you yeah, know right working i just fucked it all up uh, no, um, uh, <laughs> you know and and working with kirk and and you know alan and stuff like that they like to work the way i like to work and poor kirk was broke curled up into a ball in the corner as people are working and he's crying all day long and he's going through all these things and, I, and i'm like pushing and pushing and pushing and it was just, it was so fun. It was fantastic. Yeah, it speaks to my inner Hellraiser. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, there's nothing wrong with a downer ending. Like, you know, some of these downer endings, like the ending of The Mist, like Stephen mm-hmm. King. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, yeah. Which I came up with that because that's such a great. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Shit. Oh, whoops. Oh, yeah. Can't believe, oh. yeah. 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 Yeah, it's one of those yeah. missed opportunities, like two ships passing in the night type things. And it's like, <laughs> like yeah. if you just waited two more seconds, if you had just waited like one more second, and it's just like, uh, like yeah. he gave me all his lost moment at the very end. There's no coming back from it. Like that's, <laughs> there's nothing that was, wrong with that. That's great. And that was a great one. We, we did, we did two theatrical showings last year for test audiences and people are catching the twist at different moment that last yeah. sequence you can hear gasps just kind of as people are putting the pieces together not everybody gets it at the exact same moment so there were some stylistic choices kevin did with the with the, with the color filtering and some people are catching there there's different things that are happening throughout that last sequence it was really cool seeing who was catching it when and that let's say that was it was that one was a lot of fun to write, especially when the ending fell into place. It was, I said, one I have to share some of the endings at some point. They were like, oh god, that was awful, and I couldn't get it. And then, yeah, it's that aha moment. It's like, I know how we can tie it into it's complicated, and it just kind of just wrote itself at that point. Yeah, I, there, there were, uh, there was one point where I was like, like, we kind of got it at the same time because there's a one specific, and I don't want to say what it is. Mm-hmm. because i don't want to you know i don't want to influence anybody's viewing but like we both saw it at the same time we're like okay yep i got it like that's when we figured out how it connected with everything mm-hmm. but then yeah. afterwards like that that ending was just like yep yep okay yep <laughs> all right yeah, so you know what, and you know what's coming. Once you once you figure it out, you know what's coming, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. You know exactly mm-hmm. what's coming, and yep. Yeah, I said Kirk was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal on that one. Thank you. Yeah, I think everybody did a, a fantastic job. Like so many times, people will, uh, uh, you know, conflate low budget with bad. And that's not the case because I feel like on a low budget, on an indie type of uh, film, especially a project like this, where everybody's working on it because it's their passion. Like, you know, it's like, I'm not being paid, you know, a thousand dollars a day to do this, to do this work. Like I'm doing this because I want to tell my story and I want to, you know, uh, apply my craft and getting to, to do this that i think is where you see like some of the best performances not just from actors but from everybody involved you know everybody's on their a game everybody's trying to put as much as they can into this because this is a passion project this isn't a cash grab and i don't think enough people realize that and you know i was like that when i used to watch watch uh 
you know, some of these low budget or like the mock, like the asylum stuff and the sci-fi stuff. And it's like, when you think of how, like you have to make a, a full length feature in two weeks, but you have to film everything you don't get, you know, this isn't Stanley Kubrick where it's like, you know what, I'm going to do it 75 times till we get it right. And we're going to spend all day on this two second shot. You don't yeah. have luxury. You have yeah. one, maybe two takes and you have to nail it. Yeah. You get it. I think what worked for us is everybody wanted to be there. And we yeah. didn't treat it like it was an amateur film. We treated it like it was a professional set, even though let's say a lot of volunteers and stuff. We didn't treat it like it was a volunteer project. We treated it. We had call sheets. Kevin was doing his, was it the, not your world book, Kevin, your mood books, mood books, the mood books. Yeah. Kevin would, would, would create mood books. And so we knew what the lighting would look like. We knew every, we knew we could depend on everybody and no, we didn't have issues of people not showing up. We weren't left high and dry with somebody saying, Oh, well, I know we're doing sound, but you're not paying us. So we're not coming. Everybody showed up on their A game. And I think it shows in the final product. And I also had a lot of people say that it doesn't look like we've shot with the budget that we did. And yeah. the big difference was everybody wanted to be there. And that, and that makes the world of difference. I mean, Kevin, Kevin picked a lot of the, a lot of the casting crew. He did the casting and I, implicitly trust kevin with all of that stuff and oh, we're gonna make out yeah <laughs> that's not part of the budget <laughs> i got paid yeah, a thousand thousand. i don't know what you're talking about no, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, i mean i said i trust kevin i mean i trust and from the writer's standpoint the film matched my vision as i was writing it so close the first, i was useless the first day of shooting i'm just sitting there going I wrote this. This is this. These are my lines. This is. I was like so in awe with the whole process. I mean, I wanted to write since I was six years old, and it mm -hmm. took a long time. So I'm just sitting there watching everything happening, and it was absolutely magical. And I remember that. I remember thinking you had. A, we're having a seizure or something. I know. I'm just standing like this. Just hearing the, the the lines I'd written for the first time coming back from actors was, it was absolutely mind blowing, and I loved it. And I said. Kevin's choice for, I mean, he went through the the vetting for cast and crew and we, that everybody who was there wanted to be there. And I think I said, I think it shows in the final product. Yeah, I agree. Like I've been on sets where it's the opposite and, you know, people are like, Oh, I'm just, I'm not inspired. Like I'm doing my job and I'm, I can yeah. do my job and I can do it well. But, you know, I always say proficiency without passion is the death of art. Like, yeah, true. yeah, you know, if you go and it's like, well, I'm going to paint this painting. I want to paint the exact same thing 60 times because I have no, no real connection to my art when it's something that is personal to you. And it sounds like this is personal to all of you. And, you know, a lot of the other folks, you know, I don't want to speak for them, but it seems like they put uh, all of their, their, their heart and soul and their blood and sweat and tears into this because it seems like, you know, again, this was like a much larger budget, you know, from the lighting, from the different shots, from the sets, from the, you know, just the, 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 the special effects, like everything, you know, that I'm looking at in this film says to me that this is a, a, a small crew with a big budget that, they were able to do everything that they wanted and there were no restrictions when in reality, that's never how it is, especially on a <laughs> Yeah. 
I'm a, a big proponent of creativity flourishes and limitations. Yeah. And so, yeah. so that's what that, that's kind of like what my mindset was the whole time. I was like, you know, if someone came to me and said, Kevin, we can't kind we can't do it that way. And I'm like, that's okay. How can we do it? Mm, uh, yeah. and, and and we kind of went with that. And we said, okay, we can't afford this awesome, like, I mean, Tracy did a phenomenal job on, on Dr. Phil's makeup. The original idea was crazy. And, and, and she was like, I don't know if I could do that. And I'm like, uh, at least with the budget and everything and the time, but it was like, it's okay. You know what? We will scale it down, but we'll still make it effective as much as we can. And uh, she was like, yeah, I got that. We can do that. So it was great. Yeah, I, I was going to say, it, and it shows, like it shows that there is a lot of passion behind this and it shows that there is, you know, everybody kind of coming together. It was a good set. And it seems that, you know, you know, the type of, uh, the, the folks running the set, you know, you, you guys running the set. Um, there was a good camaraderie and a good relationship with everyone on there. Cause otherwise it's like, you're not going to get the best from everybody. And some yeah. of the best directors I've ever worked with are folks who know your name and they make it a point to talk to you, you know, and it's like, Hey, even if it's a, Hey, how's it going? How's things? Oh yeah. I like your shirt today or something like that. You know, something yeah. dumb. But, you know, when a guy with two Oscars walks by and says, you know, hey, how you doing, Patrick? How's things? And, you know, even if that's the only interaction you have for a week, you're going to yeah. remember that because it's like, I'm just this, you know, lowly peon so low on the totem pole. And this guy has two Oscars and he's talking to me and knows my name. Like, yeah, definitely. That makes you want to work more. Yeah. I mean, if you think about like. If anybody knew, uh, I mean, we're, with the way media is now today, we're starting to get a better idea of how films are made. But if anybody had any idea, like how crazy busy people like, you know, like you said, the Oscar winning director who has to show up and they're thinking about all the stuff they have to get done. And yet they still take the time to say, hey, how are you? Oh, I love those shoes. I, I just I, I've been thinking about the pair like that or something like that, anything where they take the time to see you as a person, I, I think says a lot about their leadership, and who they are. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. yeah, it, it, yeah. It's one of those things that's like, okay, you know, I'm learning from every set that I'm on, I'm learning more and more. And, you know, you learn what to do and sometimes you learn what not to do. <laughs> a lot <You> of times. <laughs> you know, and it's not, and I'm not talking just about, you know, a technical standpoint, I'm learning. Yeah the interpersonal type of uh, oh, connections, yeah. you know, but that's, you know, just basic real life. It's like, if you are kind to people and you are compassionate and you are, you know, just like, Oh, Hey, that looks heavy. Can I help you carry that? No, yeah. that's a union issue, but I appreciate you offering or, you know, Hey, do you need some sunscreen? It's pretty hot and you're turning kind of red. Like, yeah, sure. Thanks. <laughs> you know, like stuff yeah. like that, little tiny things. Yeah be you know will go a long way have you ever seen that movie society that horror film society i think it was no but it's, it's a crazy body horror film yeah. uh if you ever see it it's, it's awesome and uh, uh so it's kind of a weird thing that i'm going to say but at the end of the movie and a, and a spoiler alert from the 80s um all these social elites kind of fuse together and and, oh. and eat people in this like body horror thing. <laughs> and so in a weird way, I'm saying that that's kind of like a crew on set. Yeah. Like if it's a good set, everybody's kind of like is 
a part of each other and they're an extension of each other. And, mm -hmm. and so if someone's hungry, somebody might like, Hey, you look like you need a banana or, Hey, you know, you, you're, you might need this to help you with this. And, and, and so you're all kind of like this living organism yeah. that mm -hmm. moves from one section to the next, and which is kind of cool. Camaraderie is definitely a must amongst a close knit set for, you know, the end quality of the product to, yeah. to have any impact with the audience. You got to be cohesive with each other. Especially when you have no budget. I mean, Yo, I, mean I know because money, I mean, let's be real. Money can push people to, to two things regard, you know, to some degree, regardless of the, the uh, temperament of things around you. But, but, you know, when you don't have the money, yeah. you really, you're, you're paying, I'm paying my crew and cast with making sure that I'm fully prepared with making sure that I'm, as much as possible available to help out as much as I can and to know every day that, that I appreciate them a hundred thousand percent for being here because they're giving me some of the, the thing that you cannot get back. You can get money, you can get things and all this shit. But the one thing that you cannot get back is uh, time and life. And so mm -hmm. they're precious life elixir to make this movie. So I have to, you know, be there with them and make out with all of them. No, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's one of those things is you know you know again talking about that that marsh day that we had um you know when we're doing our safety meeting at the beginning of the day before we even go yeah. down to that location you know the director's like listen you know give me something to carry i'll take i'll take care of it and our our uh production coordinator was like i got a five five gallon bucket you can carry because that was going to be uh, our uh, our bathroom for the day. We had a five gallon bucket and some cat litter, and a little <laughs> tent. Because we couldn't bring anything else. And she's like, "Hey, I got a five gallon bucket for you to carry." You know, so <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I think that in a lot of ways, that's like I've done a lot of high budget commercials for L'Oreal, Kellogg's, and things like that. And mm -hmm. so you 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 have a different kind of structure there, obviously. Yeah, yeah. You're insulated to a lot of degree, you know, because everybody's doing everything and you're not allowed to move except to do what you need to do. Which obviously, there's, like you said, a, a, ref, a refined type of energy that comes from that because you're trying to really focus on that. But at the same time, I love indie films. I love having, that's what I like about Stanley Kubrick. When he was doing what, quote unquote big films, he still had a small crew. It's because I want to know everything. So and I want, you know, we're all here together. And so I really enjoy that camaraderie more than me. Sure, do I, I, I? There was a couple times when I was on set and I was able to tell three semi trucks to to back up six feet. I was like, I have the power. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> amen. Uh, but uh, but but that's just my ego. And the truth is, is I like to be on the ground and really be with the actors and the crew and, and hit it. You know. So, sorry that. Seem like about me. It's all about yeah. me, really. <laughs> Not about me. No, it's good. <laughs> when it comes to the crew, I <laughs> no, but I, I totally understand it. And you have to like you have to like again, I've been on sets, you know, with Academy Award winning directors who take the time to talk and are receptive to, you know, observations about what's going on. And I've been on sets with first-time directors who won't acknowledge some of the crew because it's like, oh, uh, you're yeah. beneath me. Like, yeah. I'm the director. You're just, 
you're you're part of the the, the lower crew. Yeah. I don't need to talk to you. Yeah. It's like, that's, that's how do you run a sound like that? How do you go through life like that, thinking that you're better than someone else? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like uh, I can't remember who said it, but you know the the, two, the people that say you know how you treat the janitor, even though you're the owner or whatever, mm-hmm. is you know kind of sets the tone of everything. Yeah. And I, I kind of think the same thing. It's like I don't honestly think that I'm better than anybody else. Uh, it's more just that I, I'm going this path mm-hmm. and, and that's what I'm specializing in. And that's all that, that I'm worried about. Yeah. Otherwise, you're you're a human just as like me. You yeah. Know? But yeah. Anyways, Dr. Seville. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Ashes, do you have any uh, final final questions so we can... Uh... So you mentioned that there may potentially be a sequel in the works at some point. Um, what else do you have? You know, do you have anything else that you're currently working on? Do you have another film that you're looking to to put piece together? What's What's next? <laughs> oh, it's gonna be a great. <laughs> I mean, we've got all kinds of stuff. I said I'm currently working on the script for Doctor Seville Two. I'm also a novelist, so I've got my own stuff coming out. Uh, Kevin and I are working on a comic book called Shadow Blade. I mean, <laughs> my uh, backlog of uh, projects is long, and so there's yeah. a lot of horror comedy novel writing as well. So I just released a novel, and so yeah. we're working on comic books and all kinds of stuff. I think there's a lot of projects now. Everybody's got, yeah. <laughs> everybody's got rolling to the next project. Yeah, uh, yeah. Craig and I have got a few projects rolling about. Like you said, comic books. We have three other movies that we've been writing. Um, I'm supposed to be doing a boxing film, believe it or not, towards the end of the year here. Uh, so, but it, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it a full block boxing film. It's more like a, a revenge vendetta thing with boxing in it, but um, yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm hoping Doctorsville too comes about. Convention. And we got conventions. We do have a convention too, which we're doing a Terror Traders convention yeah. for Doctorsville. We are showing our film, which is really cool. Right in between uh, Toxic Avenger, Lloyd Kaufman will be there, and also Puppet Master, which he'll be there as well. So, uh, oh, that's fantastic! Band. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, like those are you know definitely. Uh, you're you're in good company. Yeah, yeah. Titans of the industry. Like I love Puppet Master, and you know Lloyd Kaufman's just like iconic. All I've heard, he's just oh, yeah. an absolutely delightful human being to be around. Yeah, Craig knows him a little bit. He he uh, for Craig's book, the zombie book. I'm your hype man right now. Um, his zombie book. He interviewed him for a couple hours, right, buddy? Yeah. Um, he gifted me the art. It was from uh, uh, Confederate Zombies. Um, he let me use the artwork for my first book. It was a book of blood splatter about special effects in the, zo- in the zombie genre. And he gave me a two-hour phone interview. Just the the up and comer. He's completely in their corner. Lloyd yeah. is absolutely phenomenal. That, so. And that's what I heard. He's very, very, uh, you know, we have a friend of ours who makes, you know, uh, like riff videos and mm-hmm. he called it Tro Masterpiece Theater. And like he's mm-hmm. worked with uh, Lloyd a couple of times on, yeah. you know, on certain things. And it's, he seems like he's 
it was almost like he's paying it forward. It's like, yeah, you know, I was, you know, this young kid with some crazy ideas and like putting out some crazy stuff and just following my dreams. And I love seeing other people doing it too. So I'm going to try and help them out as much as I can. But the interview was really surprising. I mean, he is incredibly intelligent. So we weren't just talking about splatter and cheap movies. I mean, his, his history in classic film, I was, I was just absolutely in awe. It certainly was not, he wrote what I was expecting the interview to be. And it was an absolutely amazing, amazing discussion. I was, I mean, it, it sounds judgy, but I, you think somebody who runs Troma would, I, I, it was his, his personality didn't match the films that he puts out. It was, he was absolutely delightful. And so him and Greg Nicotero, both of them gave me a lot of time for my book. Very cool. I mean, if somebody's going to, you know, if, if there's anybody you want to talk to about zombies and stuff, you know, Greg Nicotero is probably the guy you want to chat with. He gave me a two hour phone interview as well. That's awesome. Like, that's great. Like, you got to love when folks uh, pay it forward like that and, you know, give the time because there's so many that are just like, eh. you know, don't look at me. Don't talk to me. Don't make eye contact. You know, don't step <laughs> on my shadow. Mm-hmm. Is this book available? It is. Uh, it's not very good. <laughs> it was my fir- I'm, I'll be honest. It's, it was my first book. It came out. It came out 11 years ago. Um, I mean, it's still up on Amazon. It's a. Uh, it happens to have Oh, of course. Yeah. I hope my book's next. Um, <laughs> shameless plug. Um, nothing wrong with that. It was. That's what we're here it, for. Yeah, you could use an editor. Uh, Fangoria raved about it, so Fangoria helped me get my start, and um, it could have used a better edit. It ended up being black and white. I couldn't get uh, a, a color version printed. Um, I mean, it still sells well, but it's nothing I actively promote these days because I've just done better work since then. So it was my first book. So too late now. You just actively promoted this shit. Yeah, I mean it's out. The last there's some interviews in there. Basically, it goes through 320 zombie movies, highlights, uh, ranks the effects, how many zombies are in it, when zombies showed up. Because I got tired of watching zombie movies with no zombies in them, and so it was kind of me doing all the legwork through a bunch of good and really bad zombie films and doing a technical guide to it. But it's it, yeah, it's a bit rough. But I mean, we all start somewhere. Well, I mean, we'll put a we'll put a link to uh, to the we'll put an Amazon link for the book in the show notes for you. <laughs> you know, but this this is what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Is we have folks come on to promote what they happen to be working on and any other projects that they have. That's why Ash has asked, like, what else you guys have going on? Well, also, I just I really love zombie stuff. Yeah. And I hadn't heard of this, and this is something that's kind of right up our alley. So yeah. um, yeah, I'm actually yeah. looking it up on Amazon right now. So yeah. It's, yeah. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. We'll make sure that you know folks are aware of it. And if uh, you know, if you guys have stuff in the future that you want to promote, either together, you know, solo stuff, let us know. Like this is what we're here for. I mean, our cat is awareness. Our cat is named Zombie. Yeah. So, (laughs) and that's how Kevin and I met. Was on the set of a a zombie trailer. Yeah, in two thousand eight. So that's how Kevin and I met. Was actually we were we were meshing Evil Dead with Breakfast Club. We called it the Evil Dead Breakfast Club, and uh, because there's five characters, and it was an improv movie with the zombies. (laughs) Mm. That's how how Kevin and I met. 
Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like there's so there's so much with zombies where it's like we need some fresh ideas, and which is why I loved Break so much. Yeah, that's how I wanted to leave my footprint on. I mean, everybody who knows me knows I should have written a zombie film. So for to not time. had one in well no to have not been able to have the opportunity with Doctor Seville, I mean if I wanted to get a, a good zombie story out there, I wanted to kind of leave my mark on the genre and do something. I mean, obviously Romero's my hero in in that universe, and I wanted to do something to pay homage to George Romero and not just rehash everything that's out there. So I said, you you're should very just, kind. I appreciate you. it do what simon Pegg and uh edgar wright did you know the way they did do you know the story of how they got their cameo in land of the dead yeah where they're just like yeah we're in it yeah and george romero yeah they have photographed they're the photographs on these yeah yeah and they're like <laughs> somebody asked george romero was like is it true are they going to be in it and he's just like yeah i guess like they just showed up on set one day and they're like yeah we're part of this like you know put us in the movie and he's like okay like <laughs> Yeah, it was, it, was a, it was the photo op scene where they're taking pictures with the chained up zombies. Yeah, and they they made it to the uh, to the uh, box art on the DVD. Yeah. That was like Alan. He showed up on set. He's like, "What are you guys doing?" And we're like, "A mayonnaise commercial." And he was like, "Really?" And I was like, "No, we're doing this Doctor Seville." And he's like, "Can I be Doctor Seville?" And I was like, "Sure. <laughs> you look like a different version of Keanu Reeves. So why not?" <laughs> What's funny is is. Uh, Everybody always says mayonnaise commercial. And I, I read this article a while back where it's like, oh, if they say it's a mayonnaise commercial, it's actually a uh, – what, what the hell they say? Like a uh, – those show, the, the show that I hate. What what are those shows? <laughs> the unscripted – The reality? Reality, reality oh, TV. Yeah. It's a mayonnaise commercial. It's reality TV. If they say this, it's this. It's like – that's not a code. Everybody says it's a mayonnaise commercial or like a mustard yeah. commercial or something. 100%. Because no one wants to have people like, hey, what are you guys doing? Can I be in the movie? Do you need any extras? It's like, are you part of SAG? What's SAG? That answer is no. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> well, I love, many times. I love when I have people visit set and, and they're like a family or something like that. And they're like, I want to be on set. I want to see what it's like. So I invite him to set. And after about three hours, they're like, I, I think I'm going to go home. Because um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's fascinating when everything's cut together. But the process to the, uh, you know, the, the audience member, is, the actual process of making a movie is very slow. And, mm -hmm. and, and they're expecting the whole movie to be shot and run right in front of their face. And yeah. like, it doesn't yeah. work that way. Well, it's like yeah. I was I, I'm going to be filming. Uh, I'm, I'm directing my first short in a few weeks and I'm nice. doing it at my mom's house and I'm trying to explain to her. I'm like, yeah, we're going to be there like eight to 10 hours. And she's like, Oh, how long is this going to be? I'm like, I don't know, four to six minutes. And she's like, really? I'm like, yeah. 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 I'm like, because we have a small crew. We just have two people, no dialogue. And it's like, like, you don't like we have, like if you watch a scene, and I'm trying to explain to him, like there's a scene uh, in the movie we worked I worked on last last uh, last summer, where we do a tracking shot across the restaurant, and then we have a conversation between the two characters. So we have the tracking shot. Now we got to take the the track apart, take the camera apart, change the lighting, bring the lighting in, yeah. set up over one guy's shoulder, 
film all of that three or four times, turn the whole world around. Film. I'm like, that's maybe three, four minutes, and it took us four hours to get everything all taken care of. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen Two Girls and a Guy? It was Robert Downey Jr.'s movie right before he went to prison. Um, it was supposed to, it, I think it was Mike Figgis. I can't remember, so I apologize for that. Uh, it was supposed to be, you know, three or four weeks in New York. And that was, and then that was when Robert Downey Jr. got, you know, in trouble for drug use, of course, and not to bring that back up. But, um, and so he got sentenced. So he had to go back and tell the production. I've got to get, you know, put myself in jail in, in a few days. So they they shot the whole movie. He rewrote it to be just in one place and they shot the whole movie in three days. So it was very interesting. Yeah. Sometimes you have to adapt and improvise. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always, if you ever get a chance to see it, it's, it, there's this moment where junior is looking into the mirror and he's confessing all these things. And of course it makes sense for the movie. But I often wondered, not to conjecture too much, but I often wondered if it was really he was talking about his life and how he ended up here, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah. so life imitates art and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. So this whole entire podcast is amazing because it was to promote blood spatter again. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all we All we want to do is help promote folks and, you know, it's always nice being able to talk to the people behind, you know, all these different projects. And, you know, again, you had such a, a small budget and some of the biggest, you know, uh, expenses when making a film is the distribution. So any help that we can give you, uh, oh, we're wow. happy to do so. We enjoyed the film. We've enjoyed talking with you guys. Um, you know, if we, if we weren't that interested this would have been a lot shorter of an interview. <laughs> I can tell you that like, if we weren't, if we didn't enjoy the film, if we didn't enjoy what we saw and like, we weren't, you know, impressed with the process. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I have a different uh, perspective because I work in film and I can appreciate the behind the scenes stuff, which yeah. is why I'm glad you guys were able to, to do all that and explain all this for us. But we've taken up uh, almost two hours of your time, uh, and we very much appreciate you guys being here. So before we go, um, we're just going to kind of wrap things up with uh, tell folks where they can follow you on social media and, you know, any other projects. You know, uh, obviously, Craig will put your, your book link in the, uh, in the show notes. So, uh, Craig, we'll start with you. Uh, any social media that you've got that you want uh, to promote and... Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, collectively, we have the Dr. Seville, Dr. Seville's Horror Show Facebook page that we're active on. I'm uh, Craig W. Chenery on Facebook, on Twitter under the same handle. Um, yeah, I mean, most of the time I just talk about books and movies and stuff. I'm not overly exciting online. I, keep, I, just, I just talk with no, no politics, nothing. It's all just movies and, and soccer, though. So. Okay. And and how Lucifer just wants to pet kittens? Yeah, that's that's my that's book two, uh, the trilogy that I just that book just came out in December. I'm trying not to focus on my books. But this is about Doctor Seville. Um, so this is book two in the Ocean View trilogy. It's a horror comedy. 
Um, book one is God just wanted to play golf, and it came out like two, <laughs> three years ago. That's got zombies in it. So the next one doesn't have it has the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Oh, very nice. Ones in book two, so it's it's a religious satire horror comedy. Those those are my writing passion projects at the moment. I'm in the middle of book three as we speak. It's called uh, Death Just Wanted to Eat Waffles. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, how about you? Yeah. Uh, as of right now, uh, just focusing on getting Dr. Seville uh, out there more. So all the Dr. Seville links. Um, personally, you could follow me. I'm not a big social media person, but you can reach me at Facebook and Instagram, Alan Valore. Um, and then if I could plug in one more thing, there is a comedy Please. short that I, I starred in not too long ago called catastrophe and you could find oh, that uh instagram uh it's we're on instagram for for the short film catastrophe which will be in uh, film festival shortly yeah if you like dark comedy check that out it's pretty funny yeah. it's probably... kevin i don't do shit no <laughs> <laughs> uh first and foremost hey uh like you were saying earlier thank you so much for having us on here you know like you said independent film lives and breathes from you and patsy and so we thank you so much for doing this um so yeah i just wanted to know where you live so i can come over and make out so um but yeah i um yeah uh let's see I, not much to, you can find me on kevin r phipps on instagram we have our little, we have a skit show. If you guys ever want to watch a skit show, that's really fun. Yeah. We take viral videos and we put ourselves into the viral videos, which is super happy kaiju, um, which we, we love monsters. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, not much left. We got one film that we're very proud of that Alan and I did together before was My Secret War, oh. which was uh, a film that we did on uh, the Albanian Kosovo genocide. Albanian War. And, it won tons of, and Kirk was on it too as an art director. So we won tons of awards for that. And, and so if you get, it's only 20 minutes short, but yeah. that was really great too. So I got the editor from, oh gosh, what was it? Um, uh, yeah. Famous editor. He's uh, with the uh, Scarlett Johansson film um, where she's uh, like an alien that reborn. Um, Into the skin. What's that? Yeah. Under skin. I got a great message from him. It was such a nice thing because he was like, Kevin, I love your editing in My Secret War. He was like, because that's he was the one that gave us the award from LA Films. Mm -hmm. And he said that uh, the editing was really nice. And so that really meant a lot to me. Fantastic. Uh, so, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, well, uh, you can follow me on Instagram under Kirk Levengar or Facebook under the same name, Kirk Levengar. Um, Right now, just promoting the heck out of Dr. Seville's horror show, getting ready for a Blu-ray DVD release as well. And then uh, yeah, if you can check out Super Happy Kaiju, if you want to laugh at the silliness that we've been yeah. doing, Super Happy Kaiju is the place to go for some entertainment. Um, <laughs> Middle-aged white man yeah, goof off. Yeah, if you want to see us goof <laughs> off and, and, and do some crazy stuff, check out Super Happy Kaiju. And also check out Inner Monologue if you like role-playing games like Dungeons & Dragons, uh, Gamma World, Spelljammer and that kind of stuff. Inner monologue films on a su every Sunday. Uh, uh, films a, a live broadcast of a, a role playing uh, game session. So it's a lot of fun. Very cool. 
Well, again, thank you all for, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, I know you guys are busy and you have a lot of stuff going on, but I really appreciate you guys taking the time. Of course. Absolutely. Uh, thank you. So we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back. I want to show you something. Pay attention to the image, Michael. I'm going to tell you a story. Here, take a look. But the path to redemption has to begin with suffering. This man is one bad action away from pure evil. I know who you are, Michael. I know your kind. You always want more. You're not content with what you have. And where did that get you? The same place everyone ends up. what you wish for. And welcome back. We uh, have just returned. That, of course, was the trailer for Dr. Seville's horror show. I keep wanting to call it Drive-In Horror Show because that's Mike Neal's movie. Um... But yes, uh, we were very happy and very thankful that these folks decided to take some time and join us. Uh, it was a great conversation. I love when we get to talk to uh, indie movie folks and talk about the stuff that's behind the scenes, like how the movie is created, how to deal with police when they show up at your movie set without interrupting the flow of the performers. Um, always good stuff. But, uh, Ashes, you have uh, battle results for us, do you not? I do. So last week, we threw down Music and Mayhem one night only. Which fictitious band would you want to see live in concert? And you could choose from Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem, the Itty Bitty Diddy Committee, Gem and the Holograms, or the Hex Girls. And uh, both Hex in the City. Yeah, and both Facebook and the Twitters are in agreement. You all want to see the Electric Mayhem. Yeah, I don't even think it was remotely close. But I would like to see some of these smaller bands like the Itty Ditty Bitty Committee, uh, you know, open up. You know, I, I could see the Itty Bitty Ditty Committee opening up for the Electric Mayhem. I Like, I would say that by the end of that concert, or like if they went on tour, uh, Gene would be like soul bonded to animal and be a part of the band 
like hundred percent he would he would leave and go to you know, actually no you know what Doctor Teeth would take him under his wing and teach him how to keyboard and 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 teach him the ways. But Animal would look at him and be like, "Whoa, kid, you need to get a little civilized." Actually, you know what? It would probably be Louise with Animal. No, I think Louise would end up with uh, probably Lips. Like they'd, they'd end up hanging out. And uh, Tina and Janice. Oh, Tina and Janice uh, together. They are like, just they're going to be bonded soul sisters. They forever. would have the, the they would the, they would be in the the pillow pile. Like that's what they would be doing. Tina would be showing off her porcelain horse, porcelain. Yeah. And she would end up saying for sure all the time. Yeah, no, like that's how, and they would hire Zeke as a roadie, and that's how Tina and Zeke end up together. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, uh, I think that would be uh, an epic crossover that we need to happen. So let's make that happen, uh, Disney slash Fox slash Muppets. Um, but yeah, definitely if you haven't finished checking out the, uh, or haven't even started checking out the Muppets Mayhem show, do yourself a favor. It has everything, like we mentioned a couple weeks ago with Coop, it has everything that, uh, nostalgic Muppet fans will absolutely love, uh, along with some stuff for, you know, the, the kids. Uh, I don't know any kid slang, but like... Wimmy wham wham wazzle. I don't know. I think that's what the kids say. <laughs> the kids say wimmy wham wham wazzle. I don't know. Wimmy wazzle. <laughs> I just said I don't know what the kids would say. Maybe they would say that. Okay, slurms, Mackenzie. I'm the original party worm. But no, we uh, we have a bunch of stuff coming up over the next few weeks. Uh, you know, my schedule's getting a little iffy, so we're going to try and record a bunch of things. Uh, and we don't know exactly when we're going to release them, but we're going to... like. I, 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 I predict that yeah. we're going to release them on a Thursday. Yeah, it will be a Thursday, um, but we will also, uh, we'll also be covering some of the stuff that's topical, like uh, what we used to do when something new would be coming out, uh, kind of cover the origins, like we're going to be doing Little Mermaid. We're going to talk the Hans Christian Ander- Andersen story compared to, say... The Disney portrayal. Um, we won't get into the new live action one because it's a little too new. Yeah, we don't want to ruin. I mean, anything right now it's anybody. so new; it's not even out yet. But yeah, uh, no, we're going to kind of get back into the roots of Throwdown Thursday and what we used to do. So um, we have that new Flash film coming out. So you bet you. Wow, wow! I was going to I was going <laughs> to say too many things at once. Apparently, apparently, I'm having a stroke. Yeah, sorry, I was on the phone with somebody about a, a, a movie job earlier today, and. I went to say sure and yup at the same time, and they're like, you still there? And I'm like, shup. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm right there with you. It's fine. Um, yeah, so we'll be talking Little Mermaid. There's that new Flash film that's coming out, so we're going to be talking some... I want to... Why do I want to call him Barry Sanderson? Uh, I don't know. That is... that well, is Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders. There's Barry Allen, <laughs> Barry and there's Winifred Sanderson. <laughs> So it's like the witch that played football for the Lions, but it was really fast. I don't know. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Barry Allen. That's his name. Yeah, we're going to be talking about Barry Allen and um, the Flashpoint Paradox timeline. Which is uh, pretty much the basis for this new Flash movie. Basically, he goes back in time to be with his mom and like fucks all kinds of things up. But obviously, just from the trailer alone, it's 
massively different. Uh, yeah, like we won't get into it now, but uh, hopefully we'll have a couple of guests on for that. We also need to get Jimmy Lambs back on to do, uh, discuss The Last of Us and kind of talk about, you know, now that that's been out for a while, give the uh, compare and contrast between the game and the uh, the series. And, you know, partly he's partly because he's got his new project that uh, we are a very small part of. But uh, Ashes, tell folks all about Oh, I was just going to say, so speaking of Jimmy Lambs, yeah, Beneath the Red Umbrella, the first episode dropped yesterday, and I strongly suggest you check it out. Available where all fine podcasts are found. Just Google search Beneath the Red Umbrella. You'll find it. Um, and what I love about this, so the first episode is called Chapter One. Um, and it goes from there. And each episode... Um, is drop it's a episodic it's it's a series it's a series Serial. so it's a, it's weekly Serialized. it's weekly um so a new episode is going to drop every week so he's not uh he's not giving you everything all at once you're gonna have to be patient and wait and uh a little birdie told me that you might hear some familiar voices in episode four so stay tuned kids yeah it's uh it's, uh... I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, we have had the opportunity to listen to most of the episodes thus far because we are a part of this. And you are not going to be disappointed. This is such a fantastic undertaking. This whole project was the mastermind of James Lamond from It Came From The 508 Productions. Uh, he had written a bunch of stories in quarantine, like a bunch of stories, and decided that he wanted to do something with some of them and came up with the idea to do this kind of like a an old-fashioned radio show yeah uh but there are no i mean kind of harken harkens back to the days of um like the war of the worlds yes yeah so it is uh it is very cool what he has done and it's a really just fantastic project and i know he's excited to share it with everyone we're excited for everyone to listen to it as well uh so yeah you can check that out beneath the red umbrella wherever you listen to podcasts yeah basically like wherever you're listening to this now you can you know once we're done in a minute you can just switch over and uh and uh listen to listen to that we also have some other fun stuff coming up too like patsy's making his first movie yep uh we're gonna be doing that um i'm gonna release the entire uh soundtrack the all the uh, all the dialogue uh, it's a completely silent film so we'll have a whole episode just the dialogue that we don't record no uh it's i'm, I'm very excited for this i've got a lot of really talented people that are gonna uh hoist me up onto their shoulders and allow me to uh to kind of point them in hopefully the right direction and uh you know we're we're doing a, a a very fun uh horror comedy short it's gonna be about five minutes and i had to kind of explain that to my mom because we're filming at her house and i was like listen <clears throat> she's like oh what's it gonna be like an hour you know i'm like no, we're we're filming for like eight to ten hours. Like we're not getting an hour out of that. She goes, "Oh, well, I was worried." I was like, "Yeah, we're getting like five minutes." She's like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. We have some behind the scenes uh, photography and video that's gonna be done. We're uh, actually introducing several people 
to uh, their first ever film set. So like, I yeah, you know, I I got some significant pressure on me, you know, to to, to do well. So I'm uh, I'm really excited though. This has been something I've been wanting to do for quite some time, and it's finally happening. So. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and obviously we'll keep you uh, up to date if anybody's interested. But uh, we got anything else going on? Not that we can talk about right now. No, no, nothing Maybe else going soon. on. Maybe soon. Some exciting stuff is happening, though, so stay tuned. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Oh, oh, and next week I will have a new wine to talk about. That's true. Yes. Because I am in the process of coming up with another sangria recipe. And uh, of course, I'm going to share it with my BFFs. Yes. Which is you guys, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, so I think with that being said, we, we will see you next Thursday. Thursday.